good, I can fight fair. Baby, would you please wear your night tail? It's a chopper on the couch. 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 Chopper on the couch. Glock in my pants. They drop out, just jumped out 150 Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we got a bonus podcast. we got Justin Pugh. You may have heard of him. He plays for the New York Giants. I, th- I think this is our first in-season player interview. Like, we usually stick solely to putting them in the off-season, Justin, which still is the philosophy. But by week, we're like, you know what? Let's put out a damn bonus episode. How you doing? I'm doing good, Bobby Skinner. Um, yeah, Justin Pugh was a nice little conversation. I showed him... My rookie year, Justin Pugh, Jersey. I say, you recognize this number? Um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I even like there was a stretch of the interview where, you know, he kind of went on and on a little bit about some technical stuff, which I'm sure you liked hearing that. And if that's something that you like hearing, you're going to enjoy it. And we touched on a lot. So I, I think it's uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. You know what? Next week's O-line report, I'm going to put some of the double team stuff that he was talking in. And I want I want to highlight that. So Nice. Hopefully, hopefully run some, you know, power and stuff where those plays work. Um, also, he has a YouTube channel. We're putting it in the description. If you guys want us to do more of this shit, you got to gotta get people to Talking Giants bump. You got to make it worth their while. So go and subscribe to that channel. Like he was talking about, hey, we got 200 last week. We can easily add 2,000 to that motherfucker's channel right now. Right now. Yeah. So we haven't asked you guys to do anything since week one. By the way, Justin, the Spotify rap came out for Talking Giants. And it's like... The your newest listeners came from Cowboys forty Giants zero and I'm like God this season sucks terrific terrific I know I know it's like uh, I was looking at those like this is this is ruining my mood last year it was the coolest thing ever let's actually let's go through it by the way I love everyone sending us their Spotify raps like don't yes think, please keep tagging us tagging us in it yeah please don't it. think that we dislike that. On, so this is only on Spotify too, which is this is only like a third of our listeners. I didn't even see that we were able to see our own Spotify. I route. get an email from it. I think it's from the when we were on the Anchor app. Oh, and Anchor is owned by Spotify. We still get it, which is kind of crazy. Like I could just get the email about it from my other email. So, top episode was the the, the playoff win. It was streamed nine hundred ninety nine percent more than your average episode. 49% of our listeners discovered us in 2023. That's a pretty good number. Again, this is only Spotify. This isn't including YouTube or Apple. Cowboys 40, Giants 0 really brought them in. 7% of your new listeners started right there. Uh, your podcast was shared all over. 48% direct link. 43% text, which I really like that. And hey, and thank you to our listeners. The last time we asked you guys to do something, what was after the Cardinals game to share with your friends? In fact, your most shared episode was Giants 31, Cardinals 28. Look at that. You're a top 10 podcast for 13,000 fans, top five for 10,000, and number one for 3,000. Which again, this isn't even this isn't even a third of our listeners because on the pod, it's YouTube is like probably like 45%, Apple, and out of just podcast uh, apps, Apple has over 50%. So this isn't even a third of our listeners. So that's made me pretty happy to see. Every year I tell myself I want to do get start using Spotify to get a Spotify rap, and then I don't. Do you use Spotify? No, I don't. I'm an Apple Apple Music, Apple Podcast guy. Yeah, so like I'm going to tell you, say hello to your top artist, Slightly Stupid. You spent four minutes together on my nice. own personal Spotify app this nice. year. 
um, which was which was great. All right, here here is Justin friggin' Pugh. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we got a bonus episode for the bye week. We've got our new friend. Second time with the Giants. Starting left guard was a little bit of left tackle, Justin Pugh. Pugh, how you doing, my man? How's the bye week treating you after going, coming uh, coming straight from the injury to back at left tackle for the Giants? Some may even say straight from the couch. Straight off. The, I forgot that line. I fucked up. <laughs> it was a good plug, though. I appreciate the efforts there. Uh, no, it's been good. On the bye week, back in Arizona for a bit. Just telling you guys earlier, my wife's pregnant, so uh, I got to do a photo shoot today. I still got a little black eye from uh, practice last week, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Who punched you? Yeah, yeah. Was was I, one of my questions is like who is who on the O line is just down to fight someone? Was it was it a practice fight or or just something? No, that it, was just, it was just we were running the outside zone play. You know, defensive linemen. You know, they extend their hands like that and just got a hand to, through the face mask in the eye last week. Lucked out, I didn't get actually hit and swollen up in the eye, so it was all good. Yeah, you should have seen, seen should have seen the other guy. How, how are you feeling uh, settling in at left guard? Like you came in to play at left guard, gets moved to left tackle immediately, and and you know I, I listened to some of your original shows when you first joined the Giants, and you specifically were mentioning playing left guard. Now yeah. that you've been able to settle in and play next to Drew and and Jam and John Michael, how, how are you feeling there? No, it's feeling good. I think this was the first, the second week where we've had the same offensive line for the entire season, which. 12 games into the season is a little crazy to be saying, but it's the reality of where we're at. Um, It's felt great to play next to those guys. Obviously, AT is an all-pro, JMS, young rookie, learning the game, getting better and better every week. He's got a bright future in this league. So I'm just trying to be there and and be be supportive, show them some of the things that I've learned throughout my career, and it's been been great so far. What did the show – go ahead, Justin. No, I want to show you something. Do you recognize this number? The rookie. The rookie. Is that an OCU in your jersey? No, it is not an OCU in your jersey. I, I'll i tell you what, man. I, I've had – this is 2013. This this jersey is officially 10 years old now. Um, yeah. I was – me and my father, because we, we were in. We were in on, like, the positional versatility of coming in and playing – Playing right tackle, so I even want to. I, I even want to ask you this: as you've you know you even you moved around this year and you've settled down as as your career's gone on at a guard. But I recently kind of just looked up. First two years you were in New York, you played right tackle, and then 2015 you play three different positions. 2016 you try and settle down at guard again. Then 2017 you're changing you're changing positions again. Um, you know, in in a league now that I think, especially I think Joe Shane as a general manager really values versatility. Was there any kind of frustration or even is there any kind of frustration in your years that you had here that you really wanted to settle down and thrive in one specific spot? Or like a guy like David Deal was like, I'll just I'll just play anywhere and I'll, and I'll do anything. Yeah, I mean, I think for the good of the team to go out there and play any position, it definitely helps. To be able to swing out to left tackle on Sunday Night Football after not playing left tackle for eight years, really 15 years when you go back to college. I played, I think, one game against the, the Commanders back in the day at left tackle, it's not ideal for the player because you get paid to play one position. You get paid to be the starting left tackle for the New York Giants, you know, whatever whatever that is. 
the, the, the more you do, the less you get paid is what we always say. You want to be really, really good at one position and, and that's going to take you to where you want to get to. But for me, I've always been a guy where if the team needs me, I'm going to do it. And it's hurt me at point at points in times in my career. And it's helped me at times. And it's the reason why the giants brought me back this, this last time, because I can do those things. And like I said before, I'm not out here playing for another contract. The only reason I am with the New York giants right now is to help the organization that helped me, that drafted me. I'm that's the, literally the only reason I'm there. Um, I, I've missed playing for this fan base. I've missed being involved. There's a lot more pressure playing for the New York Giants. I thought I would be able to help some of the guys in the locker room and, and show them what it takes to to put together a great offensive line. But, you know, it's, it's something that I've, I've looked forward to. And, and the challenge of playing multiple positions has been has been fun again. Well, you, you my last year in New York, though, my last year in New York, I didn't want to switch positions. I didn't want to go to right tackle on Sunday night football. I didn't want to. Those different things I did in my last year. I wanted to play left guard and then get paid to play left guard. Yeah, right. Well, you you brought it up. Do you obviously? I'm not asking for the full plan, but are are you kind of in on playing again next year? Like you know, whether it's with the Giants or whoever, are you working to like add more years to your career, or is, do you kind of feel like this might be it? I'm every, for the past few years, I thought this was going to be it, and here I am playing in year eleven. Um, if it works out and I'm back, I would love to be back. I'm not going anywhere but New York. Like I'm not going to go play for any, any team next year. The, the goal is to end my career at the New York Giants. That's the re- another reason why I came back to finish what I started. Um, there's something special about being a New York Giant. I always wanted to be a New York Giant for life. Obviously, that wasn't in the cards, but I'm able to to kind of write that wrong in my career, like personally write that wrong for myself. Um, so that's kind of how I feel this ending for me. What's been the hardest part? Like, I mean, you came – I mean, you, you had the injury, came back – What's been the and I mean you look you look like the lightest offensive lineman out there. What has been like the most diff the most difficult part like whether it's getting your technique back right the strength you know the physicality of the game. What's been the hardest part at this point of your career and having learning, to jump right I mean, back le- in there? Le- learning a new playbook and then three days hmm. later going out and playing an NFL game like that was the hardest part. And that you're continuing to learn those nuances week in and week out and get better and better. Um, that's been the toughest part. I've been this light playing for the Arizona Cardinals the last few years. I've been playing better football. You know, I take a different approach where I'm more aggressive in my sets. Obviously, when you're not as big of a guy, you're going to struggle with some other things, bull rushes and and things of that nature. But that's why I'm more aggressive in the style that I play. And there's going to be some good plays. There's going to be some bad plays. And that's the nature of the position, offensive line. You you need all five guys firing on the same cylinder. But uh, if you play with good technique, you can overcome a lot. Yeah, I mean, I thought that sh- stood out like right away. Even like you know, having some struggles coming back through, it's like okay, but his technique is sound. It's quick, like you said. You're jump setting guys. You're 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 playing aggressive with your pass protection. I thought it was like man, that you know, outside of Andrew Thomas, and I think Andrew Thomas' technique is so good because he's able to do so many things like that circle, like that little circle technique he does with his hands. Not a lot of guys can do that because they'll just get bulled. I was like, man, he's he's the most sound tucked, uh, has the most sound fundamental techniques on the line, and like you said, I think that can make your career longer. What so what you mentioned run plays and stuff. What is your favorite run play to go to? Because that's what I like watching is going, you know, whether it's GH counter or whatever. What's your favorite run play you like to run? Yeah, obviously, I think a zone a zone scheme is favorite for me. Getting up to the second level, getting on linebackers, pin pull schemes, getting out in space where I'm 
you know, I think you look at a play like we had against the the Commanders where he did a pin pull on Saquon in like a 30-some-yard uh, run. Plays where you can show athleticism and get out in space. Obviously, at the, end, at the end of games, too, you have to be able to run gap scheme and be able to use footwork. And there's a footwork that I use called Rocker Crowther where, like, you kind of – you take a gather step, you kind of step, and then you go back into the defensive lineman, use leverage, get up under the lineman. But when you run double teams, you have to know how double teams are supposed to be executed, where the post player, which is typically the guard, is supposed to lift up the defensive tackle, and then the left tackle or, or tackle in general hits the hip and moves the, the defensive lineman out of the way. A lot of guys hit up high, and when you hit up high, you'll see both the guard and the defensive lineman, their kind of bodies go like this, and then they come right back to, to, to neutral. And a lot of times the defensive tackle ends up making the play in that standpoint. So if you see a lot of my double teams, I'm always attacking the hip because the hip displaces defensive linemen out of the gap. And that's just something I've learned throughout my career. It's all about hitting the hip. It's all about leverage, all about getting low. And I've seen 380-pound guys get bowled over. It's, it's how you are aggressive with your hands, how you play with technique. And I told everybody when I got here, I'm going to get beat. There's going to be bad plays. Jonathan Allen's making $20 million, and I'm making one. There's there's a reason why that's happening right now. And that's where, in this league, people have the unrealistic expectations at times of what the NFL football should look like. And it's not always going to be pretty, but as long as you find ways to win games, that's that's the end goal. Do you feel like you've added something to, like, not just obviously, like, you helping with that double team, but... There are a lot of young guys on this group. Have yeah. you feel like you've like almost been like a coach on the field and like have you seen stuff like that pop up where like, okay, he's learned that from me? No, I think it's more or less like I'm more there to share experiences, share the ups and downs, how to be a pro, how to take care of your body. And a lot of those guys are amazing. Like the one dude I need to give a shout out to is Ben Bredesen. He's been the heart and soul of that offensive line. Um, I know AT gets all the a lot of accolades. He's an unbelievable player. He's all pro. He's 24 years old. It's really insane what he's accomplished this this early into his career. Um, and you have JMS rookie. He, he's learning it. But but Ben Bredesen has done a tremendous job of being versatile as well, playing left guard, center, right guard. He's uh, at time. I mean, for for me, you're an outsider coming in and, and learning it. He's been the heart and soul of that offensive line. I think that's interesting that you brought him up because we talked about your versatility and I've kind of been on the Bredesen train for a little while because I mean last year he put up good ball at left guard and this year because they drafted JMS they wanted to play Azudu and they had someone they paid and, and glow it's felt like he was kind of punished for his ability to be like the best of those of those three where they were moving them all over the place and you've seen it this year I think he's had at least three starts at both guard spots and center, at least two games at center. And you see, like, even those first games, he'll struggle at that new position and then kind of get it down where I thought he had, you know, he's had a couple good games in a row at, at right guard. I actually I actually believe that he should be one of their priority free agents to bring back with some of the depth issues. Um, so it's cool to hear you talk about uh, Bredesen because he's, he's probably been one of the least talked about players on this team for three years, and I kind of view that as in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the other thing that's tough with offensive line play, game script also dictates how the offensive line is going to look. Like if you had – who's the best offensive line in football right now? The Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is considered one of the best. Or the Detroit Lions offensive line. Look at their game scripts. Look at how the game is unfolding. They're up in games. They're able to run yeah. the ball. They're able to have play action. When you get down in games and, and you're struggling, it 
it makes the offensive line look even worse. Offensive line is one of those positions where when things are going well, no one talks about it. When things are going bad, everyone wants to figure out what, what's the issues. Even some of the best offensive line throughout history have, have issues. It's just the nature of the business of the position. Um, so that's where I think like guys, I don't want to say unfairly because it's a job. If someone could do it better, someone else would be in there starting. That's what I always say. If you don't want me to be the starting left guard, have the team you want, find somebody. In 11 years, it hasn't happened for me. Um, it's just it's just tough because it's such a nuanced position. I seem like you know what you're talking about when it comes to it, but it's it's very complicated and, and nuanced. There's guys like um, that specifically do this for a living. Look at the Charles Bentley, a guy I train with out here in Arizona, or Duke Mannyweather in Texas, that this is all they focus on because of how intricate it can be. We've we talked about Bredis and JMS rookie. How is Glow handling it, right? Because he, I mean, he was their big, not, you know, he didn't get a huge free agency contract, but got, he was their biggest free agency signing of their first regime and then came back in, played well after really struggling. And then, you know, like you're at, you're at, you and Bredesen are in there. And I, I, I agree with that. Uh, how has he handled that? Because that's got to be tough on him. I love, I love Glow. He's a great professional. He's been in the league for a while. He knows what it takes to play at a high level, strong. He easily could be starting over me right now. I mean, honestly, like they, they easily could have Bredesen at left guard and Glowinski at, at, at right guard. Um, obviously, there was decisions that had to be made, and I came in and, you know, I, we had some injuries, but now we're fully healthy and have that that ability. If, if something were to happen, you know, knock on wood to, to Benner, I'm, Glow's going to go in there and we won't miss a beat. Uh, he's a true professional. He can play in this league. I think he could be playing right now for us, but unfortunately we've had, you know, competition brings out the best and, and me and me and Ben know that if we have struggles and we can, and we could, would continue to struggle that glow will be put into the starting lineup right away. So I think it's, it's uh it's a great thing to have a player like Mark Lewinsky in the locker room. I'm just hoping we can just, it's two games in a row with the same O-line. I just want to finish it all. until Neil gets back, obviously. But I, I'm I'm tired of the musical chairs. Uh, it's been good to see that you guys put together a couple of good games where I mean, you guys have been able to push the ball down the field. Where I know you weren't there for the first few weeks of the season, and it was just man, this is this is a struggle, especially when you're playing teams like Dallas and San Fran. Um, let's get into some different stuff. Who on this O-line is just down to fight someone, right? Because Gates and Feliciano <laughs> of the past were kind of those guys. Who who is like. Like, even if it's not even right, they're just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to throw a punch because that's what I do. Yeah, I think I think Mark Lewinsky is that guy on the offensive line. I pride myself on going after and, and, and picking up my quarterback and making sure people stay away. I got, you know, we saw the Dallas clip where the guy kicked me because I kind of was getting in his face a little bit. Um, but it's become like I'm always about to pack mentality. All of us have to be on board. All of us have mm. to do that. But I would say – you know, Mark Lewinsky would be one of those guys, Ben Bredesen. I mean, JMS is, is learning it. You know, he's just getting back into the swing of things. So I think he's he's uh, he's he's going to be a great player for the Giants. And he's going to be one of those instigators. So if I can rub off on him a little bit, that's that will be the uh, the way to way to do it. Yeah, he's got a little bit of. I I was in Minnesota for a couple of years. He's got a little Minnesota nice to him. We gotta we gotta wear that off. And just be <laughs> just be an asshole at that center spot. That's what we'll do. We're just gonna we're gonna wear him out a little bit as a rookie with getting some snacks and doing some things for the guys. So we'll we'll uh, I will pass on what David Deal and Chris Snead mm. did to me as a rookie to these guys. 
Now, and, and with that pack mentality, I'm glad you brought up David Deal and Chris Snee because, you know, growing up with that 07 unit, even some of the 11 guys, I feel like as a fan, I just took for granted being like, yeah, all offensive linemen are together and they have meals and like they're just so together and they're like family and that's every offensive line. And I took that for granted kind of growing up as a Giants fan and then you come back here and you're, you know, I'm seeing articles being like, well, I want to kind of reinstate that. I want to reinstate the the chemistry and the close-knitness of an offensive line group. And I'm like, man, I kind of thought like every room kind of had that, but you're coming back here and you're instilling that. Talk about how important that is just in general for an offensive line, not just obviously to be together on the field when you're working double teams and moving up to that second level, but how important it is for you to be just tight-knit as a, as a group of five and as a group of even seven or eight, nine. Um, and then even what you did with this group specifically – uh, that maybe some of those guys like Deal and Snee did, uh, you know, uh, when you when you were playing here. Yeah, obviously, I wasn't here the past few years. So I don't know what the group did. I wasn't, I, I, and I think it kind of came out like I started this from the ground up. And I want to make sure, like Daniel Jones and the offensive line, they they did offensive line dinners. They go to dinner with the receiving group. Um, but I just I live for the offensive line dinner. When I got to Arizona, the the best group I've been a part of was the last few years. The last few years, I, I was a cardinal that we, every Thursday, non-negotiable, we're going mm. to someone's house, we're having a dinner, and we got to know each other inside and out. You know, I was, I'm was i in Arizona right now. I just went and had coffee yesterday with Will Hernandez, former Giant, Kelvin Beecham, former New York Jet, Pittsburgh Steeler. Like, I still love those guys. I still talk to them all the time. When you know the, the kids' names, where guys are from, what their favorite things to do are, what what gets them passionate off the field. You play harder on the field, and I truly believe that. If you if you love the guy next to you, you're going to play harder for him. And offensive line play is all about doing your job, but also doing the guy next to you's job a little bit, making his job a little bit easier than doing your job. And that's something that I think has changed my mindset. It's you look at the Bill Belichick, just do your job. That's all you have to do. That's not offensive line play. That's that's incorrect. And offensive line play. Do your job and then also make the guy next to his job a little bit easier. If you're passing off a game, flatten that defensive lineman so the left tackle has an easier, easier time on a on a double team block, really hitting that hip to make sure the center gets knocked over the center's face. And now all of a sudden it's an easier job for him. Um, and that's just the one thing that I will always iterate. And I, I don't think we had that when I was here the first time. Um my rookie year, all those guys kind of fell out due to injury, contract, moving on, whatever it was, moving on their career. Uh, and then the next phase, like me, Weston Richburg, Eric Flowers, Bobby Hart, we weren't close enough. And that was the downfall of that offensive line because we were super talented. Eric Flowers went and got paid elsewhere. I went and got paid elsewhere. Weston Richburg got paid. Bobby Hart got paid. All of us are good football players, but we didn't gel as a unit, and that showed on the field. You mentioned sure. being in Arizona. I it kind of just hit me. How, how how big were you smirking when and back to back years versus the Cardinals, the Giants gave up eight sacks? And we're like, yeah, that's the offensive line you built, Dave Gettleman. <laughs> you know, I I wanted to beat the Giants. I wanted to prove to Gettleman that he made the wrong decision. Mm. Um, but at the same time, and I, I've I've said some bad things about Dave Gettleman right, right out of the gates because I was, you know, hurt. They let me go and they went a different direction. But if I was Dave Gettleman, if I was a GM of the Giants, I would build the team exactly how I wanted to build it. I would go out swinging the way that I felt the team should be built. And I, I think Will Hernandez, a guy that was on those teams, one of the best right guards in, in football right now. He's playing great. Um, 
I think it goes back to playing offensive line in New York is different than most cities. Playing offensive line in a place like a, a Northeast team, you look at the Patriots, you look at the, the Giants, look at the Jets, look at the Eagles. There is a different pressure when playing in a city like this, regardless if we want it to be there or not, it is there. And it's, it's harder to play in a city like that because of how passionate the fans are. And that's what makes it so great. It's the reason I wanted to come back. But there's almost like a – I'd almost would redshirt guys. The first year they get to New York City, it's like, hey, this is how you survive in New York City first. This is how you get around. This is how you deal with the media. And then you go play football going forward. Almost like uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Go sit behind Brett Favre for a few years and learn how to be the, the GOAT. But in this business, if you draft someone in the first round, you expect them to play and play well on Sundays. A lot of offensive linemen struggle early on in their career. Lane Johnson, no one remembers Lane Johnson his first year in the league. People wanted Lane Johnson out of there. He was struggling. And now he's the best right tackle maybe of all time. So it's just it, – it takes time for this position group. You're doing your own podcast, a net worth show. You're giving financial advice, you know, and that's media in its own right. Um, you obviously take like a leadership role serious. What do, what do you – like plan or want to do post career? Is it you know media? Is it you know real estate coaching? Like what? What is obviously nothing's finalized, but what do you have in your in mind for that? So obviously, I'm just gonna the next few years. I, I may play another year. I may not. We'll see how the football shakes out, which is its own beast in and of itself. I've I've gotten involved doing my own podcast network with Justin Pugh, basically talking about the business of sports. I love the business of sports. I love seeing how the dollars affect everybody. Um, you look at the NIL space right now. I've been talking about that recently and, and how, you know, I think Matt Rule came out and said it takes a million to $2 million in NIL to have a good quarterback in college football nowadays. And it's great to see that kind of curtain be pulled back on college sports and, and the business of it. So that's, that's one area that I'm super interested in. I'm working with Athlete Podcast Network. They've helped me put the put the show together. It's, it's, it's been great. I love interacting with the fans and talking about that. Separately from that, I've gotten involved in real estate. So I've been working in real estate in the off-season the last three years now, working for a commercial development firm here in Phoenix. So I think that is the route that I will take post-career. I've looked at broadcasting. I've looked at staying involved with the podcasting world. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of where I'll fall. Coaching, for sure not. <laughs> It is uh, one of the toughest professions to, to be involved in. I don't know why in. they do it. It seems like the worst job in the world, and they <laughs> they love it. Divorce rates have to be through the roof. I've seen coaches of mine have to leave their families, and their kids are being raised in another city while they go coach in wherever it is, America. It, it, it is a tough pers- – if you're, if you're great, you're moving every three years, and if you're losing, you're moving every three years. So no matter which way you're going, you're moving every three, two to three years. It's very rare you have a person like uh, you look at Penn State or Belichick or places that have had the same coaches for for years on end. It uh, it's it's not the the norm. Oh, it's crazy. As some guys, it's every year. Like I remember uh, their running back coach last year. It's like he had he literally was in a different place every single year for like ten years straight. One of your uh, pieces of advice was to move to Florida. One, I just agree in that in general. I live in Florida. I've been trying to bully Justin into moving into Florida for a while. Uh, where where in Florida do you do you like to reside? Yeah, so I had a place in Delray Beach. I lived in Fort Lauderdale for a little while. Nice. Um, in-laws and family are up more north in the Jupiter-Juno area. 
Um, the one reason I've mentioned Florida is the state income tax and our bonuses get taxed in our state of residence. So for guys going into free agency or you take Caleb Williams, he's probably the, the biggest example. Caleb Williams is in California right now when he gets drafted and gets that $30 million signing bonus. California is going to come looking for that 12, 13% of that signing bonus. But if he were to move and go to a place like Texas, like Tennessee, go to Nashville, Nevada, Florida, he could save on those dollars. And that's kind of the biggest proponent. You're getting paid to live in these great places by the government. It's the rules they put out. It's, it's something that I think a lot of guys should look into because it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep. And that's the issue with a lot of guys in the NFL. We don't keep as much as everyone thinks. You hear that, Justin? Get your ass down to Florida before you sign your next contract with John Boy Media. Oh, yeah. Um, Justin, I know you had a couple other... uh, I have a trivia question. Perfect. Trivia question. 2012, Syracuse Orange. Your last year. You had three of your teammates from that year. This could be either really easy or... I'll I'll gauge you out. Then the next time that we talk, then then maybe it'll boost up the difficulty. You had three of your teammates from that year that were either drafted by the Giants or eventually came here to play for them. And who are they? So it was myself. It was Ryan Nassib. That's an easy and one. It was Jason Bromley, a defensive tackle. Yeah. And then do you know who the third one was? He was not drafted by the Giants, but he eventually came here to play. He eventually came here to play. Sarah. Well, would it be Riley Dixon, the punter? Yes. Ding, 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 ding. That's Correct. Defeat. Too easy. This is what happens. You got to know your teammates. You got to know your guy. <laughs> DeVito is a Syracuse guy, too. What's it been like in the locker room with that, right? Because, like, it's kind of in a, in a season that hasn't went the way that anyone wanted to. It's kind of crazy, like the the DeVito mania. I don't think he's even as Italian as people make him out to be. And he's, like, almost having to, like, be, no, he is. like play it up you, a little more. Is. I, I, I wish I, – I, I don't wish that he was faking it, but there is no way this kid could fake – how he is. And it's unbelievable. It is when we got, so I started on the practice squad. So me and DeVito were in the huddle. We were both far away from being in the starting lineup. I I realized quickly that I was a little bit closer than maybe I knew, but we were just in the, in the huddle. And I'm like, DeVito, the one thing that we do is we have fun and we break the huddle. You break the huddle. It already, it's like little giants. Like we like have fun when you're going out there and you're on the practice squad because you want to give a great look to the defense so he took me and him just always were joking around about breaking the huddle and having a good time. And he, he really took that to heart. Now when he comes into the huddle, we have his, his personality shines through. He's not, he didn't take himself too serious. He puts in the work. He is exactly what everyone thinks he is. He's, he's <laughs> the quintessential North Jersey Italian. Mm. And, uh, it's been unbelievable to see this run. I, I never in a million years thought that he would have the rise that he's having. Um, Fame-wise, I'm saying, not football-wise. And it's, I saw him at a primo hoagie the other day, and there was a line around the block, and I just started laughing out loud. This is a this is a North New Jersey Italian phenomenon. I think they played the Sopranos song when he came out. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Doing this in the stands, like, it is, it is, it's amazing to see. He got like a three times louder pop because I, I I was in there this weekend and he got like a three times louder pop than Saquon did, which is, which is nuts. This is the yeah, last. We better not take let's let's not take Saquon for granted. He is our he, he's he's a great player. I know, we, but we it's need... nuts that Saquon is a, a certified star and Devito got a bigger pop than him this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's crazy. I couldn't even hear because you know I was 
we were running out. I didn't get to see the from from your guys' perspective. That's you got funny. a nice return. You got a nice little return. I'll take I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get. But I do Saquon and DeVito. That's that's a whole nother level now. Yeah. Last question I'll ask. Uh, you're very friendly with the media. Which one of them? Which reporter do you dislike the most, though? Please be honest. Dislike the most. I will say and we have an award I- for the be- the best Giants reporter. It's it's the name of the award is best. Gi- Not sure if you're a good person, but best Giants reporter. Uh, presented by Kadarius Tony Award, presented by Talking Giant. Basically, you know how they have the Good Guy Award, yeah. which we think you're going to win. By the way, it's yes. our it's kind of like our spoof of that because like it's funny that the media gets to decide who's a good guy by yeah, who's, who's a good not, guy or not, like, who's nice on. to them. Which you're gonna you're gonna win that. But so we, you, one, who do you dislike the most, and who should win the Tony Award this year? Okay, so I'll say I'm going to start with a few of my favorites just because I want to give I want to uh, give those guys a shout out. Pat Leonard's great. Art Stapleton's one of my favorite of all time. Kim Jones is is unbelievable. Um, now this one, he's he's climbed back into my good graces. I had an article a few years ago when we played the Philadelphia Eagles, where it said Justin Pugh hates the city of Philadelphia, and I taught me a lot of slack with friends and family. Jordan Renan, you're from Philly. My- we just had him on uh, two days ago. Exactly. So Jordan put this article out. I, I think his, his, the upper, the boss of his had that article. So me and Jordan, I love, I used to love Jordan. We both from, you know, both had great conversations. He put that article out. I didn't talk to Jordan for like three years. Good. This man has climbed out of my doghouse, and me and Jordan are back. I went on his podcast recently. So I don't, I don't still have animosity towards Jordan. We're actually in a great spot right now. He's a great guy. But that would be the one guy that I've had issues with throughout my career. But as we've gotten older and as, as we both matured, we came back around. And, and he's, a, he's a great dude, great reporter. Um, but you that's don't forget, the one though. That I, you don't forget. You, know, you always got to remember. But Jordan, he's, I want, like I said, I went on his podcast. We've had some great conversations. But that was the one rough relationship I've had with any media member. But, and he would, we, we've talked about it on his podcast, so I know I can air it out here now. He he really wants to win the Tony Award. He didn't get it last year because one of our our interns broke news and he didn't credit him. Also, I we the, I, I like Joe Judge, unlike most Giants fans. And and Sunday he was right next to him talking to him, so I FaceTime Jordan and he didn't answer. So he's kind of getting my bad grace. He's out. Now. I mean, especially now with this story, he, he's out. Um, Sorry, Jordan. Out so, of the running. What was I'm, sure that, I'm sure that was. Uh, I I forgot that obviously I wasn't here during the Joe Judge year. It was one year, right? Two years, two years, two years, two years. I know that was probably a bittersweet moment for for him and some of those guys at the end of the Patriots game. I'm sure he would love to have hit that field goal and go to overtime. So I'm, I'm sure that was not a great time to be FaceTime and trying to get. To, well, get it was before Joe the it was before the game. It was before the game. Okay, I got you. Got yeah, you. judge judges judges a talking Giants guy, and and now you're a talking Giants guy. Love it. Um, is there anything else we had, Justin? I feel like there's oh. one thing I'm forgetting. But oh. hey, we appreciate you jumping on. What what's the the name of the show? Where can people find it for uh, all of our listeners? Yeah, so Network with Justin Pugh. It's wherever you can find your podcast. We're on Apple. We're on YouTube. You know, I've had the subscribers have been jumping up. Like I'm getting like a hundred or a hundred. I think I had two hundred last week. So it's getting good. We recap Giants games. I give out the puny badger of the week, which. The puny badger. They used to call me puny when I was in college. Back to saying I'm one of the smallest offensive linemen, and then I, I went from five reps to 225 to 20 whatever I did before I left for the combine. So 
I, a lot of the guys would call me puny. And then I obviously had fought through adversity and made it still, still going. So I, I always give out the, the puny badger of the week to someone that is exemplifying, you know, the, the right things on and off the field. And th this week we gave to Bobby Okereke fighting through adversity, injuries, playing, getting the pick should have had two. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun ride so far and it's tr trying to help athletes. I'm, I'm working with athlete podcast network, which is kind of the back end helping set up all the cameras lighting, but also help come up with the script every week and, and do those different things for athletes. So it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride so far. Justin, make sure we get, I keep on saying, I know you're both named Justin Penick. Make sure yes. we put the link of his YouTube channel in the description. Let's get him the talking giants bump. You got it. Um, Cause we're, we're very appreciative. Of you spending some time in your bye week uh, with us. So enjoy Arizona. Um, and uh, actually that was the last thing I said. If you do retire, can we, can we break the news or are you going to want to break it on your own podcast? That's, that's a, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. I've had a few people ask this. My even my my nephew wants to break the news. He wants to put it on his, his Instagram with seventeen followers. So we'll we'll see that. I I don't know. I don't know if I'll you know how that retirement will go. Let's hope it's a few years down the road. Yeah, we'll yeah, that's what I'm saying. Time. A few years down the road. So it's very funny. Uh, Andrew Thomas, who we're we're kind of close with. He's always been super nice to us. The one time he didn't respond to me, I was like, "Hey, let me break that contract extension." And he was—I didn't hear back from him after that. Um, but he's a—he's—he's <laughs> he's part of the Talking Giants family, and so is Justin Pugh. And uh, let me stop rambling. Thanks again for coming on, man. No, I appreciate you guys. And the one thing I will say, it's like obviously with how passionate this fan base is, it's great that you guys kind of provide that that insight and that look where it's not just glancing at it on TV and making a quick judgment. You guys dive into it, and that's something that. Uh, makes this fan base special, so I appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. See ya. All right, see ya. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you, Justin Pugh, for jumping on the show. There was multiple times in the interview, Justin, where I'm like, how do I address Justin Panic? And then finally, by the end, I'm like, I'm just going to call you Panic. Which you've like never done that ever before. I know, but I kept on being like, like I kept on wanting to say something to you, but I didn't want to confuse him. So very, very good job by me on that. That was a fun. People interview. have people have picked up that I never call you Bobby or I never call you Skinner. I call you Bobby Skinner. There are some people's names that just require you to say their first and last name, and your Bobby Skinner, your name is Eli Manning. Your name is one of them. Like I, yeah, you don't just say Eli. Hey, Actually, you I, do. I, I do. But I always just say Bobby Skinner, and you, and you never say Panic, and you never say Justin Panic. It's just Justin. A lot of people do call me Panic. My middle name is Kyle. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of people. Some people call me Kyle, Justin and Kyle. my family will call me Jay. Hey, Jay. Justin. Learn Kyle. something I feel new. Like there's someone named Justin Kyle. Um, Panic me. Oh, you know what? It's the um, American Sniper, Chris Kyle, I think it is. Nice, yes. Um, His last name was Kyle. All right, that's a bonus episode. We'll be back Tuesday for a mailbag podcast. Um, and we are playing on Monday Night Football versus the Packers, so I'm very, very excited. That game is the ultimate. If the Giants somehow win that game, right, which we didn't think they'd win the last two, Justin, we're doing playoff talk, right? Even though it's even then it's still unrealistic. I do think if Tyrod Taylor starts that I, I do think that we will be the Green Bay Packers. Interesting. And most people would say to start DeVito over Tyrod Taylor too right now. 
I and I think that they could, which is hey, it's a conversation that we'll have on the mailbag. I, I honestly have to think about it more, and we'll. I don't know if any other reports or stuff will come out over the weekend, but um, I I, I got to think about it because it it maybe it's not as clear as I originally thought it was. Maybe Tyrod's not even ready, so we'll 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 fit, we'll we'll, right. we'll get through all of it. So we There's appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your bye weekend. Until then, let's go big. <laughs>